This is Clayton for Podcast Radio Business. We're joined by Lorraine Mensah of the Barrister Group, and we're here to discuss why workplace sexual harassment is running rife. Thank you for joining us, Lorraine. Thank you, Clayton. Lorraine, please tell us more about your role at the Barrister Group. I'm a barrister in practice and I specialise in employment law. I've been in that area for about, well, plus 20 years, let's put it that way. We've had some recent research here conducted by the Barrister Group that reveals some really quite alarming statistics regarding, uh, dare I say, sexually inappropriate behaviour in the workplace. Could you give us an overview of the key findings? I think maybe to listeners, this is quite shocking to hear that in this day and age, we're still looking at a third of staff in the workplace suffering sexually inappropriate behaviour. The research that we carried out shows, unfortunately, that the main perpetrators are more senior staff members. So you uh, you, you can imagine line managers and, and more senior managers within the workplace. And that means they're abusing their positions of power in work environments in order to perpetrate sexually inappropriate behaviour. And what's also interesting, what came out of the study, although it came out at about a third of women, about a quarter of men also suffer sexually inappropriate behaviour in the workplace. I'm not sure that that would be something we'd expect to find in in our study. I was going to ask you that question because when I was presented with this brief yesterday, I looked at it and I wondered how many men were involved in being approached. Do you feel that by the nature that both sexes are being approached, it's almost as if this is more to do with power dynamics than anything? Or would I be wrong in saying that? No, you're absolutely right. This kind of behaviour crosses all industries. It crosses all people, predominantly uh, perpetrated, where the perpetrator has that authority to be able to control the individual. And I'm trying to not use the word victim because I sometimes feel that the word victim creates connotations of somebody who is helpless and somebody who, you know, requires support in in a way that perhaps we don't view ourselves. But this actually affects all of us. It affects people of all ages. Our study showed that shockingly 18 to 55 were the the, the highest group, but even over 55s inappropriate behaviour in the workplace. This runs all generations. It is that power imbalance. And I think we've seen that, haven't we, over the years in, I suppose, high profile cases and in various industries where I suppose there's more press coverage of that kind of behaviour. But unfortunately, grassroots level, it's happening everywhere. The key thing that happens here, especially in the high profile cases, is that people often say, and they are often accused of victim blaming, and that we won't use the word victim again, but park that there. The accusation is, is why didn't they report it? Mm. I think your study must have managed to get people who were candid enough to explain the reasons why they didn't report this. Yeah. And it's, and it's again, that's another shocking statistic, isn't it? Because half of those that have gone through this experience, and that experience can range from 
you know, uh, sexually inappropriate comments dressed up as banter, comments about body type or body shape or clothing, right through to the more serious sexual assault, touching, kissing. And for people to go through that experience and for half of them to feel they can't report it because they don't want to be perceived as troublemakers in the workplace. They also don't have a sizable minority, didn't have trust in the systems that their employers have in place. They didn't feel the system would adequately address the complaint. So although we've gone a long way, we haven't clearly gone far enough. Because a lot of things in this modern age are wrapped up and disguised as banter, Mm. can you indicate some of the inappropriate behaviours that do happen so people have some clarity so they can go back to their workplaces and offices and call this type of thing out? It can be subtle. Or it, I mean, I, I would say this, when you are an observer of commentary, which makes you feel uncomfortable because it refers to, for example, somebody somebody's weight or somebody's shape. I mean, the most obvious would be reference to someone's bottom or someone's breasts or something of that nature. But when you're, when you're an observer of that kind of behaviour, you have to ask yourself why you feel uncomfortable about it. Usually your gut instinct is right. If you feel uncomfortable about something that's said, that's probably because it's inappropriate. And if it's referenced to sexual characteristic, then it's something that shouldn't have happened. You're protected under the legislation from it. And it's the responsibility of all of us to call that out. Now, if you're unsure, if listeners say, well, this happened, it could have been an accident. It It could have been unintended. Then I would say, speak to trusted people, speak to family and friends or colleagues if you can in the first instance, because what you may, what I think you will find is they will say, um, hey, no, that was inappropriate. And you're quite right to feel the way you do. You're justified and you should do something about it. Sometimes I know people maybe in a situation, I'll give an example. So a waitress in a restaurant and maybe the manager has just brushed past them too many times for it to feel like it was an accident Mm -hmm. and made that body contact. And the first time the the waitress may think, well, that's, it's just, it's an, it's just an accident. It wasn't, there wasn't anything to it, but you know, it's happened now two or three times and now you're feeling really uncomfortable about it and talk to somebody about it. And then your employer should have a system in place, clear policies, with a clear procedure where you can feel confident that you can go and say, I'm feeling uncomfortable about this behaviour. And employers have at their uh, in their toolbox lots of things that they can do. It doesn't always have to result in dismissal. You know, they have to investigate these things. That's their responsibility. There are lots of things out there, such as, for example, mediation, training that can be provided both to staff and to, for example, those in man- positions of management and for HR. So there are alternatives, but ultimately the, re- the employer has that responsibility. They have to take reasonable steps and it's not a reactive process. It's a proactive process. So it's stopping it from happening in the first place. Is this a culture problem? Is this something that we used to see on reruns of 70s TV programmes, which were incredibly sexist and incredibly inappropriate behaviour? Is it something that we still really haven't got rid of since 
those days. I, like you, Clayton, because of my age, can think of lots of programmes <laughs> that I've watched when I was when I was younger in the 70s. That um, when I look back on now, I'm horrified to see the, the behaviour and language that's being used in those programmes. And I think even when they're on TV now, there's always a disclaimer, you know, before the programme's aired because people can be so upset by what they see. Indeed, indeed. I don't think you can say it's a British cultural issue because it is something which I, through my experience, I know crosses all countries and uh, all cultures. I can't say, in my own experience, it is a cultural issue. It may be a human issue, human behaviour issue, that whenever there is that power imbalance, you are going to have some individuals who use that to their advantage. And some individuals, they seek to exploit power in a sexual way. I don't think that's a a British cultural issue. I think that's a a human behavioural issue. How does the barrister group get involved with these cases? I like to think of us as the gateway to justice. So you are the individual. The You've already been through probably the process uh, that your employer has set up and you're left feeling that the employer hasn't, just hasn't given you the support that you needed and the process hasn't been fair or thorough. And as barristers, we're able to either directly or through solicitors provide you with the support mechanisms that you need to give an example. Many people who suffer sexually inappropriate behaviour are left with mental health problems. It can range from anxiety, loss of trust, loss of confidence, all the way through to things like severe PTSD. And as barristers, we ensure that the right mechanisms are put in place to protect you so that you are able to go through that process whether it be adjustments to the way in which hearings take place so that you feel comfortable in being able to give your evidence. There are lots of things that we do. We also provide you with, we provide you with the knowledge and information to hopefully reassure you that whatever the final outcome is, you're going, there's going to be justice where perhaps you feel there has been an injustice. That's excellent. That's a great answer. The research highlights that 12% of the respondents ended up leaving their jobs due to sexually inappropriate behaviour from a colleague. Mm -hmm. What, as far as the boss or an employer is concerned, does this turnover have on workplace productivity and morale? I would say that it is significant because there are two side effects of that. So the first side effect is that it means the perpetrator remains in post and continues with that behaviour. And then the second is you lose the really good staff members that are doing an excellent job um, and are dedicated to their work. Uh, And so you're losing the talent that you've invested in because businesses invest with training and career progression. And nobody wants to see individuals that are trying to pursue a career and create a successful business leave. So that will then have a knock-on effect for other staff members. Some of them may know why that person's left. They may not have felt they could reveal what's happened to them and raise it as a complaint, but they will know. And you can imagine how that would make staff members left behind feel when they're left behind with the perpetrator. Um, and that has got to be 
part of that toxic culture that you just don't want to create in the workplace. Here at Podcast Radio Business, we have lots of people who are business owners and employers. How can those people who are listening create a culture of accountability where inappropriate behaviour is addressed and dealt with effectively? Leadership led. So it's all about those individuals, the business owners of small businesses or senior management, line management, all being educating themselves for us. That's the first stage. You need to educate yourself as to what constitutes sexually inappropriate behaviour. You then need to put in place guidance which is accessible to staff. So that could mean through training of staff, it can mean through policies which are accessible. It doesn't mean placing a small poster on a wall somewhere in the business. That's not enough. So they've got to take steps to educate their staff and reassure staff. And that can be through meetings, through uh, documents, you know, letters to staff to say, look, here's our policies here. And we just want to say that we're very proud that we, you know, we have zero tolerance to this kind of behaviour, echo, echoing and reinforcing what the policies say. And then ultimately, if somebody is brave enough, I would say, to come forward and say, I'm feeling uncomfortable about this behaviour, this is what's happening, then to make sure the system's in place for a proper investigation, fair investigation, of course, there are two sides to any incident. And you want to investigate that, maybe speak to other staff, carry out a proper investigation, satisfy yourself as to what the evidence shows. And then even if ultimately there is insufficient evidence for you to conclude that there was sexually inappropriate behaviour, think about things like mediation, because you've still got those staff members having to work together afterwards. Indeed. How do you resolve those matters? You need to help both staff members and the staff in the in the business understand how things are going to be going forward, even with uh, a lack of evidence, what the business expects of people so that you ensure it as best as you can, it doesn't happen again. What advice do you have for employees who may be experiencing sexual harassment? Because obviously this podcast may trigger some feelings or emotions Mm -hmm. that have lain dormant, but those people may be hesitant to report it. What would your advice be to those employees? The first stage is to recognise that what's happened to you was inappropriate, sexually inappropriate. And that can be difficult, as I say. But once you've recognised that, then I think the second stage is to speak to somebody that you trust. That could be a family member. It could be a friend. It could be a work colleague. It could some, could just be phoning up one of the you know organisations that are out there that you can just chat through think, your feelings with. Once you've established that actually what has happened is inappropriate, then it's about you being able to, if you feel able with the support of staff, going to someone in the management chain and reporting the incident. Now, most employers have two methods for that, an informal report or a formal report. If you don't feel comfortable to jump straight to a formal report, you can say that you just want to speak to somebody in HR or management about it informally and have that conversation. And they'll then be able to, if they're doing their job properly, reassure that individual as to what the process will be and why it's important that that process has gone through. So take each stage at a time. And ultimately, it's a matter for you whether you want to progress to the next stage. Nobody's going to force you to do so. 
Um, and so you can always at any stage say, I, I'm not comfortable to take this any further. And that is a matter for you as an individual. But don't be afraid to to try, because even if you're not the individual that suffered at the hands of a perpetrator, you may be an observer. It is also our obligation as we're colleagues, as human beings, to call out this behaviour. So if you see it, it doesn't have to have happened to you. You should still be supporting that staff member by reporting it. So where can our podcast radio business listeners go to for more information? The Barrister Group, which can be found online. You'll be able to see all the information about our organisation, the specialisms that we cover. And then you'll be able to also say about individual barristers. For example, I'm part of the Barristers Specialist Chambers. We, Employment Specialist Chambers, we specialise in employment law. So again, I mean, Google's a great tool. We're there. Uh, you can get in touch with us and, and try and access our services that way. Thank you very much. So Lorraine Mensah of the Barrister Group, thank you for joining us on Podcast Radio Business. My pleasure. Thank you, Clayton. You're most welcome.